Y'all ready? Y'all better buckle up. <laughs> it's going to be good this morning. You know why it's going to be good this morning? Because it is the word of the Lord. Amen. Every time his word goes out, it goes out with power, great power, power to change your life. And I can't wait to share what the Lord has laid on our hearts to give to you, to feed you. We're going to feed on a risen Lord this morning. That's where our life comes from. He is the bread of life. How many of you guys are in need of a pick-me-up, right? And you don't need no five-hour energy drink to do that. You just need Jesus. That's all you need. If you want to make a lot of money, come out with a five-hour energy drink that just says Jesus on the bottle. We can call it Jesus juice. Don't be stealing that idea either. We on? We good? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always true. It's always comforting. God, you are a comforter. You love us. God, you, you give to us freely. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for loving the world so much that you gave your son. You freely gave your son for us. No one else could do it. No one. And Jesus himself, he chose to do it because he loves us. I made the people in this room this morning feel that love, true love, agape love, the kind of love that would surpass what any kind of love they ever, ever felt on this earth would be, Lord. They would just feel it. They would have a great peace about your love for them. Right where they are. Thank you for loving them this morning, Lord. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're excited. How many of you guys know that hope is alive? Hope, Bible hope. I'm not talking about the kind of hope that the world talks about. I'm talking about Bible hope, LPs, a confident expectation of good. That's the kind of hope I'm talking about. Who's looking for a confident expectation of good? Let me just tell you this. You can wake up every morning and have a confident expectation of good. That's, the, that's what the Bible calls hope, LPs hope. We're not looking for the worldly hope where I hope something happens. I hope so. We're going with confident. We're saying, I know I have a hope in this life. I am confident. I expect good in this life. How can I say that? Because the Bible tells me to say that. And it's the truth. Amen? We've been doing it a certain way our whole life. What if we did it the way the Bible said to do it? What if we did it and we said, man, I am confident today. I have a hope today. I'm expecting good today. And some people will tell you, you can't do that. Because the world is evil. We're in it. Yeah, but I'm not of it. I'm not of it. I'm seated in the heavenly places. That's what the Bible tells me. So it's all a matter of how you think. It's a matter of what you receive from the Lord. My whole life, pretty much in church, I, I wasn't receiving that kind of message. I don't know if I was, if you were like me, I was beating myself up all the time, feeling that I wasn't adequate, feeling that I wasn't qualified to do something. I'm here to tell you, God has qualified us. And don't disqualify what God has qualified. You believe that, church? All right, y'all ready for some scripture? <laughs> I can sit up here all day and do this, man. All right, 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, that's another word for grace, because said, listen, his abundant grace, we can stop right there and walk out of here and go, man, yep, that's the truth. God loves us. It's not just grace. It's not just mercy. It's abundant grace. It's abundant mercy. And more than enough, right? Uh, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what does Jesus rising from the dead mean? It means that we have a living hope. That's that LP's word. We have a confident expectation of good. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. So when we come to church and we celebrate Resurrection Sunday or Easter, whatever you want to call it, let me just tell you this. Why do we celebrate it? There's many reasons why we celebrate. We're going to see it. But one of them, one of them right here is we have a living hope. We can wake up every morning having a confident expectation of good that's going to happen to me. How can you say this world's evil? I know it is. That doesn't mean I'm in it. Listen, I'm different. Bad stuff can happen all around me. But I know that God's going to make everything work together for my good. So what does the resurrection mean to you? We celebrate it. 
We know that we're forgiven. That's the biggest thing. But there's so much more, church, so much more that goes with it. And I want you to know it. The Lord wants you to know it. First off, look at Romans chapter 1. What does Christ rising from the dead mean? All right, Romans chapter 1, my favorite book in the Bible is Romans. It's my favorite book. Okay. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Paul was separated to the good news of God. Good news of God. That means at one point in time, there was not so good news. Not so good news would be the law. Not so good news is because you can't keep it. And so here comes God with his son Jesus, and he says, now he'll keep it for you. He will do it. You won't have to do it. Remember I told you, religion says do, Jesus says done. Uh, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. He, we, we do this all the time. We do a lot of Old Testament stuff, don't we? And it's all about Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament was about Jesus. That's what it's saying right there. He promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So the first thing you need to know is that when Jesus rose from the dead, that was God's declaration that Jesus was the Son of God. And he's the only one that could save you. He can, he, he's the only one that can do it. So when Jesus rose from the dead, that's God's declaration that he is truly the Son of God. Amen? Boom. All right. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the law? No, it's to faith. It used to be obedience to the law. You obey the law or this will happen, right? Now it's an obedience to the faith. Paul says it here in chapter 1, and he says it again at the end of Romans. He wants you to know. He opens it and closes it. It's not about obedience to the law anymore. It's obedience to the faith. In other words, I believe that Jesus got me out of that law contract. I be, it was never for us to begin with, amen? But we were taught that growing up. You got to, 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 you got to. You got to stop sinning. Okay, how? Because the more I try to stop, the worse it gets. Anybody else in that boat? You're just going to leave me up here. It's always me and you, James. That's it, man. I don't even know why y'all come. We can beat this. We can do this at McDonald's, bro. <laughs> Obedience to the faith among all the nations. All right, so check this out in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Another thing Jesus did when he rose from the grave. And when I saw him, oh, wait, this is Revelation, sorry. Hebrews chapter 2. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So, Jesus rose from the dead. He's declared the Son of God by God. Jesus rose from the dead. He defeated the devil. The devil's defeated. Say that. The devil is a toothless lion. He's running around going, Roar! but he can't do nothing. He's defeated. He's just a loud mouth. You ever have him in your ear being all loud? Yeah, he, he's been declawed and defanged. He has nothing. All he can do is try to bring the law back up. He uses the law to whack you upside the head, says you're not doing enough. That's what he'll do. Use the law. How can you call yourself a Christian when you're doing this? And he accuses and he beats you up with it. When the Bible tells us in Colossians, man, that, that God nailed his handwriting to the cross, having disarmed the devil. That means at one time the devil had a weapon. It's the law. The moment you break it, he beats you upside the head with it. The Bible tells us that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. Do you believe? Then, then, then Christ is the end of the law. Stop trying and start resting in who you are. Because right now, you are justified in the eyes of God if you've accepted Jesus. There's nothing more you can do. You can fast all you want to. You can pray as much as you want to. You can read your Bible as much as you want to. But if you're doing it to be saved, to be forgiven, you're wasting your time. So he defeated the devil. Oh, Check this out. Remember John on the island? 
And when I saw him, he had a vision of Jesus. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me. This is our Lord. This is our Lord. He doesn't want you to be afraid. He laid his right hand. Right hand is the hand of provision. Right hand is the hand of blessings. He's seated at the right hand of God. Anytime he told him to throw the net out, it was on the right side of the boat. Right side is important. He laid his right hand on John. John was afraid. Any of you guys ever been afraid? Yeah, let me just tell you. Jesus doesn't want you to be afraid. Anytime somebody's afraid in Scripture, the first thing Jesus does is, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Right? He says, man, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And I always love that verse because, you know, in, in the English it says first and last. In the Greek it says alpha and omega. But if Jesus is a Jew talking to a Jew, are they speaking Greek or are they speaking Hebrew? Hebrew. So he's saying, I am the olive and the toff, right? He would, he would be saying that. And you can find that olive toff scripture in, in the Old Testament. It's like, like Jesus' signature. It's crazy. We did that on a Bible study one Wednesday night, remember? It was crazy. Oh, got some good news for you, right? First and last, I am he who lives. Jesus lives. He lives and was dead. What? And behold, he's like, look, bro, look. I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Who holds the keys of death? Jesus holds the keys of death. Satan doesn't. Satan can't control anything. He can't control anything. He wants you to think he's got that kind of power, but he doesn't. Jesus holds the keys. Jesus holds the keys. And you, why would somebody, tell, why, why would God allow somebody to die like that? Why would God allow that accident to happen? Why would God allow cancer to come upon? God doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't put diseases. Jesus never came on earth and gave people diseases. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the same nature as, Father, as, as God is. Let me just tell you, everything changed. Everything changed when Jesus came. Everything changed at the cross. Everything changed at the cross. So he holds the keys. In other words, he knows best. I wish to God that my mom was still here to see what I am doing now. And every time I think like that, God is like, bro, she's right here with me watching you. And where she's at, she'll never want to come back. When she was here, she was suffering. She's not suffering anymore. She's perfect. She would never want to come back here. And I hope that comforts somebody in here. That we see death, that God calls all this. God doesn't do that. He put it on Jesus. Don't let Satan throw that picture of God at you like that. That's not who he is. God's not judging people with death anymore. I'm tired of you. It's not our God. He sent Jesus to take all that punishment, to take that judgment. Do you believe that, church? Jesus holds the keys. So, he defeated death, right? Look, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When he rose from the grave, he gave us victory. Death, listen, Christians... Don't die. They fall asleep. Today, our last breath here is our first breath in heaven. We don't die. Do you get that, church? Death has been defeated. Hell, at one point in time, could claim victory over people. Not today, not in Christ. If you've accepted Jesus, death has lost its sting. And I want you to see something very important here. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. The more you try to keep the law, the more strength you're given to sin. That's why the more you try, the more you fail. But if you reverse that, because the same would be true, if you took away the law, you take away the strength of sin. That's why the grace message is so important. You want people to stop sinning, don't give them the law, give them Jesus. Let them know, hey, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repent. It's the goodness of God that leads men to change their minds. Not how bad they are, how good God is. You want somebody to change, you want a teenager to change, a family member to change, 
Tell them how good God is. Don't tell them how bad they are. Do we even need to hear how bad we are? Because deep down we know we need to hear how good he is. <sighs> I'm a little excited. In the right Havana. Pops. Pops in Havana. His, I don't know if y'all know this, but his heart is in Havana. I've been waiting. I've been waiting to do that. I practice at the beach. <clears throat> Matthew 27. I didn't know you were going to wear that hat, though, bro. That's nice. Matthew 27. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. You remember that? Let me just tell you, you can go back. If you want to go deeper, you can go back to when they, people that studied the cross and how he was hanging on the cross. They would say it's almost impossible for him to, 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 to cry out because of the way his lungs and his, and his diaphragm were hanging on that cross, which tells you that he is Lord. Amen. He is, he is Jesus for sure to be able to do what he did. So he cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. I love that he yielded up his spirit. He gave his spirit up. Like he, he even said, no one kills me. No one takes my life. I give it. Right. And, and the word there is he literally dismissed his spirit like it's time. He dismissed his spirit like a king would dismiss his spirit. No one took his life. Don't let a preacher tell you your sin, your sin, you killed Jesus. I, I've heard that before. I'm like, if I killed him, should I even be here right now? Right? No, man. He gave up his life for you. That's the message that people need to hear. Not that you killed him. It sounds so crazy now, but I used to believe that. I used to speak and preach that. Not anymore. Amen. And then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That thing was 100, 100 feet to 200 feet, depending on what you look at when you study it, tall. It was torn from top to bottom. Also, it was four, four feet wide, layer after layer after layer. They brought in so many oxen and donkey to carry those things in there. Four feet thick, layer after layer, 100 to 200 feet tall, tore from top to bottom, just ripped right down the middle. Do you think a man could have done that? Nope. Only God could have done that. That's why every detail is important from top to bottom, right? There wasn't some dude at the top with a sword <laughs> sliding down, okay? It would be in here. <laughs> It'd be like when, when Rick was up there on the sword and he just kind of slid down the curtain and ripped. Because you've seen movies. I've even tried that with a pocket knife it didn't work out top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split you can go and google it today there's still rocks that are attributed to that time when 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 this happened that are split right down the middle today uh and the graves whoo this is something you don't hear about very often and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised All right, it's getting a little freaky up in here, right? Dead saints rose up out of the grave. They rose up. They, they were asleep. They'd fallen asleep and were raised. And coming out of the graves after, notice, after his resurrection, that honor must always go to Jesus first. So in other words, just based on him dying at the cross, they, they rose from the dead. But they were not permitted to come out of their grave yet until after Jesus rose from the dead. Or came out of his grave. Does that make sense? See that? They went into the holy city and appeared to many. Who are these people? Saints that have fallen asleep. David. Solomon. They're all walking around. The city. Is that true? We can't skip over stuff because we don't want to try to explain it. The Lord will explain it. Have you ever asked the Lord, who are these cats? Right? How many of you guys think of Thriller when you read this? I do. I'm like, man, I, I hear the song in my head. <laughs> Don't do it. And then I have to show you all the dance, and we just get all sidetracked over here. Yeah, so, so who are these people, man? Look at this in, uh, in Luke 23. 
Okay? I want to show you something here. It's very important. These people that had fallen asleep were all these Old Testament guys. You know why? Because they couldn't go to heaven yet. They couldn't go to heaven yet. Why? Because Christ hadn't died and risen from the grave. So there was a place they had to go. They had to go there, right? And they had to stay there uh, because they could not go to heaven yet. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven, church. He's the only way. You got to believe in him. You got to believe that God raised him from the dead. You got to believe that he is the son of God and you will go straight to heaven. Your last breath here will be your next breath in heaven. God made it simple. But, but Jesus hadn't done all this yet. So all the Old Testament saints for 1,500 years, they couldn't get into heaven. So where were they? Well, let's see. So Luke 23 talks about the cross, the two thieves, right? Two thieves at the cross. Nothing's insignificant in the Bible. There's two thieves, one on this side, one on this side. I want you to know Jesus has redeemed us from, from anybody stealing anything from us. No one can take us out of his hand. No one. He was crucified between two thieves. Yeah. But the other answering rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God seeing you are under the same condemnation? This one thief is like, yo, how can you say this to Jesus? Do you not even fear God? And we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me. Now, in the original, he says, Jesus, remember me. That's beautiful. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, when? Today. Today you will be with me in paradise. So here's the question. Where is paradise? You see, he says today. The problem is Jesus wouldn't rise for three more days. So where's today? Isn't that interesting? So where's paradise? See, back then, paradise wasn't up. It was down. Paradise was down. It's where all the old saints were. It's a place called Sheol. There was a, a great divide there. You got Sheol on one side. You got a great divided lake. And you got paradise on this side. You all look at me like, you want to see it in Scripture? Yeah? You want Scripture to back that kind of statement up? That's what we do here. So where did Jesus go? When he said, today you'll be with me in paradise, where did he go? Anybody want to know where he went? You think Jesus was walking around the little tomb like this? Man. Got the little countdown going? Boy, when I get out of here, right? No, man, Jesus was very busy. He wasn't just sitting down there, sitting on the back of the, the little tomb. Y'all want to know where he went? Come back next week. We need that little voiceover guy next week at LCC. Will Jesus rise from the grave? Yeah, that Morgan Freeman type voice, man. That did not sound like Morgan Freeman. <clears throat> Check this out. Jesus said, God said this about Jesus. This is a messianic psalm, right? For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Some people preach that Jesus went down to hell and they beat him to death. <laughs> I'm like, I've heard that. They went down, they plucked his eyes out and all that stuff. I've heard people say that. I'm like, what? <laughs> now I'm like, what they're saying is the cross wasn't enough that he still had to endure some more punishment. But when he said it was finished, it was finished. Ooh, I just felt a little burst of energy right there, boy. Look at this. Acts chapter 2. Peter says the same thing. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Yeah, Jesus went down to hell, but he didn't see corruption because he had already finished the work at the cross. So why did Jesus go to hell? Again, next week, this will be a great place to start. To gather all the saints who had fallen asleep because they could not go to heaven yet. They were stuck in this place called paradise. They, they, they were kept there. Uh, that's where the Catholics get the purgatory thing from. Or they want you to pay up in order for your son to get to heaven. Indulgences. It's the whole Martin Luther King. Martin Luther was one of my favorite people. I love to study Martin Luther. If you can get one of his, his books, he's got commentaries on Romans. It'll blow your mind. It's, it's really what changed my life, reading those things. It's unbelievable. But yeah, it's during that time. Anyway, uh, he went to gather all the saints. So Jesus tells us, well, look here. Uh, for, this is, oh, so who were these saints? Who were these saints that he went to gather? 
For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Cleanse your conscience from dead works. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. So these saints that he went to, to get out of the paradise were under that first covenant. Church, we were never under that first covenant. Never. So he's talking about the saints that had died. They would have to offer. It was like a, a payment every year. Uh, on Yom Kippur, they would have to offer a, a sacrifice, and they would be forgiven for that one year based on that sacrifice. It was like a promissory note. You just keep paying it, paying it, paying it. When Jesus came, he paid it. He said, it is paid for on the cross. There's no more payment for sin. But Jesus hadn't yet come. So all those old saints are in paradise. Are you with me? Um, transgression under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. They were all waiting on Jesus. And let me tell you something, when Jesus went down there during that time, when all of hell, every corridor in hell knew that he had defeated death. Can you imagine the feeling? Knowing that all their hope, the enemy's hope was just dashed. Because the whole time they've been trying to stop Jesus from coming. And <laughs> And when he said it is finished and he conquered death and he shows up in their house. Can you imagine? But also, can you imagine him showing up to all the saints who God promised he would come to? Yeah, Jesus shows up, man. You, you, David's like, whoa, I thought I was good looking. Yeah. <laughs> no more. Joke. I could just go on and on with that, man. <laughs> Joseph's like, hey man, my story is your story. All right. Adam's like, you know I'm the first Adam. Take that and rewind it back, bro. <laughs> Jesus is like, look, dude, you want to come or not, man? I'm gonna do okay, none of that is true. I'm just right, let's get back to scripture. Yes, thank you. Luke chapter 16. Jesus tells this story. Some people say it's a parable, but he never uses a real name unless it's a real story. You believe that, church? Here he uses a real name. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Now, let me just tell you, before we read this, God's not against rich people. He's not. In fact, Solomon was very blessed. Yeah, Abraham was very blessed. So it's not the rich. It's the attitude. It's the heart behind it. Okay? Nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with money. Amen? I'm like, Lord, if they don't want it, hey, fill my cup, Lord. All right. Um, uh, yeah, thank you. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, okay, Eleazar. And, and, and so, so it's a real person. He was full of swords who was laid at, at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dolls came and licked his swords. So the, the rich man never helped him, never helped him, right? So it was that the beggar died. And was carried away by angels to Abraham's bosom. Question. Where is Abraham's bosom? Paradise. It's not up. Because no one can go up yet. Jesus hadn't died yet. So when he's telling this story, Abraham, this is a real place. And I love the fact that when someone dies, they're carried by angels. Yeah. And being in, oh, check this out. So, so, so the rich man also died and was buried. And being the torments in Hades, hell, shale, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. So in hell, people, you have eyes. Yeah, you have eyes. You can see. If you have eyes in hell, you have eyes in heaven. People will tell you hell is a spiritual place. Well, if that's true, then heaven's a spiritual place. This is a real place. It's, this is real. And so he lifted up his eyes and he saw him afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. So you have a tongue. 
You have fingers. See, when we die, church, when we die, our body stays, but our spirit goes up. In Christ, Christ isn't coming back to resurrect your spirit. He's already done that. He's going to give you a resurrected body one day. Your spirit's already resurrected in Christ. That's why we can live the resurrection life every day and have great power every day. And so look, when your body, it's like in the blink of an eye now, our body will fall and you'll step out of it. You'll have a new body. And if you're like me, you'll be like, man, that was a good looking dude. If you're visiting, I'm really joking. Don't send an email. Kind of. <laughs> so, so you have fingertips. You have all that. You dip it and, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He's in the hell part of it. He's looking over, and he can see that that's not torment over there. He's in torment here in hell. And they can feel it. They can see it. But they can't do nothing about it. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are in torment. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot and nor can those from there pass to us. It's too late at that point. So this man died and he's in hell. He can feel it. You know, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth one day for these people that don't believe in Jesus, that didn't just confess Jesus. And, and they're not going to be weeping and gnashing because they're mad at themselves. They're going to be mad at Jesus and us. They're going to see us comforted and they're going to, it's going to tick them off. And never once will they repent. That's why they're there. They're going to be mad at us because we're comforted. You might be going through persecution here. But one day, it'll be the exact opposite. And even in the midst of your persecution here, you can be at peace. You can be comforted. You can have protection and provision all around you. You're protected in the midst of your persecution. All right. So go back to this. So hell is a real place. Paradise is a real place. Go back to this. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. These are David, Jeremiah, Hezekiah. All these guys are walking around the city. Can you imagine Abraham showing up at your front door? Say, hey, I'm your father. Sing it with me, Father Abraham. They're like. Right? David shows up with his harp going, hey, y'all are playing it wrong. This is how it goes. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. See, we go up there. We don't go down. Did I say that right, Paul? I would have said C minor or something, but I don't understand any of that. So all these cats showed up. Not a lot of people, listen now, a lot of people don't preach this stuff because they can't explain it. But it's all in Scripture. Every, the Bible interprets Scripture. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Yeah? Well, don't be afraid of this stuff. There's a reason it's in there. And it's to build our faith. So these people were walking around the thriller. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 9. So Jesus, Jesus, now he rose from the grave. Now, at this point, now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. This is Jesus rose from the grave already. He walked around for 40 days, and now he's being taken up into heaven. And he goes up, and a cloud receives him. Now, a lot of commentators will tell you that cloud is all the old saints that have fallen asleep. Right? So we go to Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and then the sin which is so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. But I want you to see, because of this verse, they translated the same word as when Jesus went up, that cloud was a cloud of witnesses. It was all the saints that had fallen asleep. They received him up and now Jesus goes up into heaven and they all go up into heaven. Amen. So where is paradise today? It's vacant. It's empty. There's no more paradise down there. Now, when we die, we go to heaven with Jesus. And let me tell you something. If Jesus ain't in heaven, I don't want to go to heaven. I'm not going to heaven to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven to see Jesus. I'm going to heaven to be with Jesus. 
Here's the verse for you. Uh, we are confident, yes, <laughs> well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The moment you breathe your last breath, the next moment you're, you're in the presence of Jesus physically. You have eyes? Hey, you get to eat in heaven. That, that should be a standing ovation right there for you guys. You know why I know that? When Jesus in his resurrected body was eating fish on the shore. There's food in heaven. Heavenly food. Krispy Kreme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Publix fried chicken. Hey, that's right. You can eat and not have to worry because you've got a resurrected body. Crumbs all over. Your wife will look at you and go, nah, not in heaven, baby. I'm going to do my thing. <laughs> anyway, back to scripture. First Peter 3. One last thing we'll talk about that, that you, I want you guys to see, okay? For Christ also suffered. How many times did Christ suffer? It was good enough, right? Let it be good enough for you. Once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Who are these spirits in prison? It's not the saints that have fallen asleep, because it says, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. So during that time Jesus is in the tomb, so to speak, he went down to hell, but he also went to preach to these disobedient spirits. And the word preach there is not, he didn't bring the good news. It's the word for herald, to proclaim. He went down to these evil spirits, but it's not the fallen saints. Evil spirits who were disobedient. Very specific. When? In the days of Noah, during the flood. So you go to Genesis 6 where the flood is found. And you see there were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterwards when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Now that's not a good renown. Those were, they had a horrible reputation. These are fallen angels see the whole battle of the universe is is all around one thing why is israel so persecuted today still today because that's the where the seed would come from see god prophesied in genesis 3 that when 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 man fell he, he told satan satan knew who was going to get him he said satan the seed of this woman will crush your head you will bruise his heel and so when Satan heard seed, and we all know that the woman doesn't carry the seed. So God was prophesying a virgin birth. And so, so check this out. The seed, Satan heard the seed. So what does he got to do? He's got to stop that seed. And all scriptures about Satan trying to stop the seed. The very two, first two brothers you hear about. He was trying. He said, man, Abel's got to be the one. Abel's got to be the one, so he, wrote, he got Cain mad to kill him. He tried to stop the seed. You think about when Moses came along. They, they, they tried to kill every baby, every Hebrew baby, throw him in a crocodile-infested river. But God saved Moses. And so these giants came down, and they were trying to, they were trying to, to, to mess the seed up so it wouldn't be pure. But there were eight people during that time. See, people think God sent the flood just to kill everybody because he was mad at everybody. No, there was a reason behind it. It's because there was only eight people of pure blood because the angels attainted everybody. All the seed, the, 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 the seed could not be tainted with sin. And the angels were trying to do that. And so that's why you see everybody trying to kill the babies, trying to stop the seed. Satan's trying to stop the seed, stop the seed. But he couldn't. Even when Jesus was born, they tried to kill all the little babies. Stop the seed. So these angels came down and they hooked up with the women trying to corrupt the seed. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth and was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and bird of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
This is Noah, rest, rest found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Names are important, yeah? Whenever you rest, you will find favor in the eyes of the Lord. So that's where Noah got his name from. Um, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Look at the word for just and perfect. I want you to see it. All right? Tamam. It's complete, whole, entire, sound. Complete, whole, entire, whole, sound, helpful. Complete, entire, sound, wholesome, unimpaired, innocent, having integrity. What is complete or entirely in accord with truth and fact? That means he was the only, quote, purebred still around. It's, it's talking about his body. It's not talking about he was perfect and just in his nature. In his body, he was perfect and just. The angels hadn't gotten to him yet. He was the one pure-blooded man left, him and his family. Eight souls. Why do you think Peter talks about this in such detail? God didn't just send the flood to kill everybody. He sent the flood because he's sick of Satan trying to disrupt the seed. And he preserved this one family that would be able to take it. And if you go and look at the history books, remember when we did that stars? When we talked about the universe and God proclaimed the, the, the good news in the stars? And everything happened after this because after the flood, that's when like Babylon happened. And that's when people started separating. Nations were being born out and they were, everything came from this family. Jude says, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Those guys can never get out. Those those demonic angels. You remember it said that there were there were giants in those days and afterwards. But God said he'll never send a flood again. Right. He'll never send. A, so he rose up people like David to take on a giant. He rose up people in Israel that were Jewish to take on and beat these guys. But he would never send a flood again. So there were now there's no more giants today, right? You see a big tall guy, don't go. Right? Miss Odato. Where'd she go? Her husband, man, you're like, whoa. Right? But back then, it's where mythology comes from. Back then they had extra toes, extra limbs and stuff. They were they were demonic giants. But they're no more today. No more today. Right? Those guys are in everlasting chains and jesus went down there yeah he went down there he he has the keys amen he went down there he said hey you tried to stop me you tried to stop me but i'm here to tell you i'm here to proclaim to you that i am Woo! So what does all this mean? What does all this mean to you? Let me tell you something. If Christ has not risen, you are still in your sins. Your faith is futile. But we know Christ has risen. And if Christ has not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Let me just tell you something. Christ has risen. You are not in your sins anymore. And the only thing he asks you to do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible says you'll be saved. That's it. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved from dying for your sin. Not only that, Christians, if you've been in church all your life trying to pay for your sin, let me just help you out here. You've got to come to a point where you say, wait a minute, they're paid for. They're paid for. Stop trying. Stop trying to atone for your sins. You can't do it. You never could. That's why Jesus came. Stop trying. Start resting. Start believing that he paid for your sins. And then you will live. Man, imagine if everybody lived that way. If they didn't receive condemnation. If they could break those chains that hold them. Jesus already did that for them. For you. For everybody. He did that. That's what we're called to do. Share the good news with people. Hey, somebody did that. Stop paying for it. Stop beating yourself up. Someone took that for you. Last verse. Last verse. Romans 4, 24 and 25. But also for us. He's talking about Abraham. Abraham was blessed beyond measure. Abraham was declared righteous because he believed God. Right? But also for us, it shall be imputed to us righteousness is imputed to us that means it's given to us freely it's just given to us it's imputed to us uh, who believe in him who raised up jesus our lord from the dead who was delivered up 
because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. He was delivered up to the cross because of our sin, but he was raised because we are now declared justified. That's who we are. When we get to heaven, he's not going to be looking at our sin. He's going he's gonna, to say, hey, you're justified. Come on, you're justified. You're justified. My son justified you. You believed it. Come on. There's no more condemnation for you, church. Not just in heaven. God wants you to know that right now. That's right. Therefore, now there is no justification. Condemnation. I'm reading the word justification. That just contradicted everything I said. Look at this. Who now? This is the. This is which, which version is this? Like? Yeah, Young's literal translation. I got a lot of these things, so I want you to see this one. All right. Who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our being declared righteous. That's who. That's where we are. When Jesus rose from the dead, we were declared righteous. At that moment, we were declared righteous. We weren't even thought of yet. But right now, God knew it. He says, you are declared righteous. If you believe this, if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, if you believe he's my son, you're declared righteous. And if God calls you righteous, that's all you need to know. Amen. Amplified version. Because it's amplified, we're going to read it amplified. Who was, was, was. Who was betrayed and crucified because of our sins and was raised from the dead because of our justification, our acquittal, absolving us of all sin before God. That's who we are right now. If you believe in Jesus, you are acquitted. You are absolved of all sin. God's not looking at your sin. He's seeing Jesus all over you. He sees you as he looks at Jesus. Church, the question is not how good you are. The question is how good is Jesus. The question is not how, how obedient you are. It's how obedient was Jesus. See, Satan will try to twist you around and say, look at you, look at you, look at you, look at you. You say, no, nah, man, look at Jesus. Don't talk to me. Go talk to him because he represents me. And everywhere you twist, everywhere you turn Jesus, he's beautiful. He's altogether lovely. And that's how God sees you. And it's all because Jesus, on Easter morning, rose from the dead. He did it to justify you because he loves you. Now go tell the world that. Tell the world to stop condemning themselves. Tell the world to start understanding how much God loved them. Stop telling them how bad they are. Turn off all that crap on, the, on social media and all that. Man, turn it off. Start telling people how good God is. You want to change the world? It's already done. The system's already mapped out for you. Just follow the word. Tell people how good God is, how much he loves them. Amen. Do you feel loved right now, church? Do you feel justified right now? Stand up with me right now. I want you to declare this. I want you to say, in Christ, I am justified. In Christ, I am forgiven forever as he is. So am I. Right here, right now, I'm completely forgiven. I am blameless. I am spotless. I am forever saved. No one can snatch me from my loving Father. No one ever. Amen. Sorry, bro. I apologize, man. I get excited. I, I, I can't help it. I'm not like this all the time. You see me at home. Kelly's like, how come Troy's not like he is? At but I love it, man. I love when the Spirit uses me to speak truth into people's lives. And I hope you've been blessed. I hope you truly understand what Christ did for you on that Easter morning when he rose from the grave. I hope you understand. Did you guys learn something today about the three days he was in the tomb? He wasn't in the tomb. He was very busy doing some stuff. And all that stuff had a purpose. All of it had a purpose. We, guys, we are forever, forever saved. Don't walk out of here thinking that you can lose that. Let me tell you something. If you haven't accepted Jesus 
listen, I've, I've said how to do it two or three times during the sermon. You just say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You, in other words, you believe that he's the son of God. And, and, and the next thing you say is, I believe that he's alive today. I do. You can't be in here and not think he's alive today. <laughs> not this morning. Amen. That, that, so half of it's done. All right. That's all you got to say. There, there's no class to take. There's no time for confession of sins because no one's got time for that. Right. Good Lord. I know some of you cats. We ain't got time. I got to eat, too. Listen, you don't nowhere does it say confess your sin in order to be saved. Nowhere does it say that in Scripture. It says confess Jesus. And if you haven't done that and you want to do that, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that as, as we play a song. But let me just tell you this, too. If you're looking for a church, this is who we are. It's what we believe. You'll hear this message not just on Easter, not just on Christmas, not just if it's me or him. We, both of us will speak the same message. We're giving people hope, confident expectation that God's making things good. If you want to be a part of that church, we have a little thing to fill out. It takes a minute. Unless you're like me and you just give it to your wife. <laughs> anyway, oh, by the way, today is a special day. Very special day, Easter. But even kind of a little under that. It's my wife and I's anniversary. Yeah. 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 I am her resurrection life. I'm just telling you. She was going down a bad road until a brother showed up. She was praying, God, send me somebody. And like literally, I was like, bling. Had that little thing in my teeth. <laughs> you remember that, don't you, huh? <laughs> he said, yeah. Hunter was like four. But anyway, it is a special day, man. Love her to death. She's a thank you. Yes. Thank you. Amen. On April, April Fool's Day, it's me. <laughs> it's me. I think we're married. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you, how do we go there? If you want to join our church, man, <laughs> this is what we do. Uh, just come down and fill that out. If you have a prayer request, I'd love to pray with you. I'm telling you, I'll lay my hand on you. There's a brother in this church named James that also has a gift of being able to do that. Amen. Be able to lay hands on you and pray over you. Mm-hmm. If, if you need prayer, man, please come down and use this opportunity. However the Lord leads you. Listen, if you need to go, God bless you. And no one's going to hold in. No, I'm not going to run out there and say, hey, man, what's up? All right? Not going to do it. If you're free to do whatever the Lord lays on your heart right now. Amen.